Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcasts. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. So no matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you haven't had any time at all, we are grateful to be on the journey with you. And we look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. So last week, Lynn, we started our study of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament by reflecting on the spirit of life. Mm -hmm. This week, we move to the life of John the Baptist, who serves, among other roles, as the bridge from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I am very excited to learn new insights from you today. So take it away. Okay, well, I'm not sure how you felt about this lesson, (laughs) but I have to say, when I opened it up and saw John the Baptist, I was like, wait a minute, what? It gave me a moment of pause. Oh, yeah. We ask ourselves that a lot, right? Yeah. I thought, how did we come up with this? Um, Yeah. Not the first time we've asked that question. Exactly. Um, Since I didn't remember exactly what we were thinking, I went back to our outline, and this lesson was under the heading of the Holy Spirit and Christ. Mm. So, of course, then it made sense, because in that overarching story of the Holy Spirit, we have to include John the Baptist because he was the forerunner to Jesus. Right. He pointed to Jesus. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He points to Jesus. So John the Baptist was the very last prophet in the Old Testament to point, well, not in the Old Testament, but to, since the Old Testament, mm-hmm. to point to Jesus the Messiah and announce his coming. So if we think back to what Laura taught us about prophets, They were individuals on whom the Holy Spirit descended and gave a specific purpose for a specific time with a specific power they would need to accomplish their task. John's only purpose in life was to prepare the way for the arrival of Jesus. And I'm not sure that there is a person in the Bible that exudes the Holy Spirit with the constant intensity that is shown throughout the life of John the Baptist. Intensity is a good adjective to describe him. He's he's in one intense dude. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so let's dive into that intensity. Okay. Well, the first thing we need to understand before we get into anything else is something that you've already mentioned, and that is that John the Baptist's arrival is a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And you can find references to his coming in Isaiah, Malachi, and Exodus. Mm -hmm. Remember this, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. These are all excerpts from those books that were pointing to John the Baptist, who, as you said, is the bridge that connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, remember, at the time of John's birth, it has been 400 years since that last prophet. Malachi. Malachi. 400 years is a long time. That is a lot of silence. Mm. But then, all of a sudden, that silence came to an end when the angel Gabriel, heard of him before, appeared to an old man named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest who was married to Elizabeth. And they were a couple who was well beyond childbearing age. And 
they had not had any children. She was considered barren, which, you know, mm. that was not, that was not a stigma that was easy to live with. But the angel came and said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. The angel foretold that the boy would be a minister to the people of Israel with the spirit of Elijah, Mm. one of the previous prophets. It's a great story about doubt, faith, redemption, and obedience that I won't go into here, but you can read all about it in Luke chapter one. And a not so insignificant side note here is that this very same Elizabeth was related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And if you remember that little story when both women are pregnant at the same time and they saw each other, the Mm. baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt as both he and Elizabeth were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So Jan, are you keeping track? (laughs) Where have we seen the Holy Spirit so far? Um, In this story, well, okay, we we see them obviously in the prophets of the Old Testament telling about the coming of John. Mm -hmm. Um, We we see the Holy Spirit's activity when Elizabeth conceived, even Mm -hmm. though she was well beyond childbearing age. Mm -hmm. And when you go back and you read the story about Zechariah, when he gets the news from um, the angel Gabriel, he is um, a little sarcastic and uh, and doubting of the angel's Mm -hmm. message. Mm -hmm. And so the angel shut his mouth for nine months for his impertinence. And I think that, you know, only, I don't know about you, this is a sexist remark, but I'm going to say it anyway. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to keep anybody's mouth shut for nine months, right? right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So you mentioned the baby leaping in the womb, Mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth being filled, Mm -hmm. and John hadn't even been born yet. So That's right. keep going. I'm sure there's more spirit sightings in, in front of us. There absolutely is. Okay, so Mary and Elizabeth were pregnant at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mary was carrying the coming Messiah, Jesus, and Elizabeth was carrying the announcer of that Messiah. Mm-hmm. That means that John the Baptist and Jesus were the same age. Not sure I'd thought about that before. Mm. Um, and when I say that, of course, I'm referring to the man, Jesus, yeah, not Jesus, part of the triune God who has always been and will always be. So we don't know very much about the childhood years of John the Baptist. He is described as having grown up hidden in the wilderness, becoming strong in the spirit. That's in Luke um, chapter 1, verse 80. And we don't know more than that until his ministry begins. And that's when he's called out of the desert and starts preaching and baptizing. And then we get a little bit more of a description, at least physically. He wore camel hair and he ate locusts and wild honey. So when I picture him, I picture a bit of a crazy looking man (laughs) who was really so focused on the message that he was delivering that he couldn't be bothered with anything that was a distraction, which included what to wear, just put on the camel hair every time. Right. <laughs> or what to eat. He just kind of stuck to the basics. Locusts and honey. I know. Not <laughs> basics in my life. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think about that today. Unfortunately, we would probably think of John as a homeless person yeah, yeah. and probably ignore or be embarrassed by him. Mm-hmm. But in those days, when the people of Israel had a really strong tradition of radical prophets, and it wasn't that far in the past, although 400 years seems like a long time to right. me, there yeah. were still people looking for 
the coming of the Messiah and the one who would announce him. So John's sudden appearance out of the wilderness probably shouted to them, hey, I have a word from the Lord. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. So do we know when he began his prophetic ministry? Well, um, Luke in his gospel ties this in history to rulers and dates, but all we really know is that it was before Jesus started his own ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's safe to assume that John was called out of the desert to begin at just the exact right time, whenever that was, because it was the Holy Spirit who was guiding him. Uh, In fact, the appearance of John the Baptist is what set into motion the public ministry of Jesus. Remember that Jesus came to be baptized by John. And when he was, that's when the Holy Spirit came down into him. And that's when he started his teaching and preaching. That was the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. You know what I find interesting about this, Lynn? I hadn't really thought about it. But I mean, I thought about it with regards to Jesus, but not with regards to John. Mm -hmm. And that is that the Holy Spirit drew a curtain over those growing up years of both John and Jesus, mm-hmm. allowing them to mature out of the public eye yeah. and to be ready for their ministry. And that makes John's bursting onto the scene even more dramatic because he, he looked like he came out of nowhere. Right, right. Yeah. Well, so before Jesus came to be baptized, John, we know, was well into his ministry of preparing the way for Jesus. And he had many followers. When we look at the message that John was preaching, I think we can get some important information. First of all, it was not a message that you would have thought would attract a lot of people because it was not what we would call politically correct. Like most prophets. Exactly. Yeah. They were to repent, which meant turn away from the life that they were living. Mm. So remember that John was a prophet, and a prophet was someone who boldly spoke for God, one who wasn't afraid to say what God was really thinking. Prophets were, as I said, politically incorrect, (laughs) and often they came issuing warnings of impending judgment. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Um, But John also preached redemption through that repentance of sin, which would then lead to the forgiveness by God. And his message was not gently delivered, despite his style that was not so gentle. We read that people from all over Jerusalem and Judea and all the vicinity of the Jordan were flocking to him and that they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan as they confessed their sins. Mm. So why in the world was this was happening? Well, my guess is that after 400 years of silence, the people were desperately hungry for some good news. They also probably listened to him because they actually recognized him as a prophet by his appearance, as you sort of referred to before. Mm -hmm. Um, Because other prophets before had looked like him, even though they hadn't seen him, they knew what prophets looked like. Now, this was a difficult message for them to hear, but it was also a message of hope, which I'm sure they were all in great need of. So I want to take a minute to focus on a few things that are important about John's ministry. First, the location. Mm. What do you remember about the Jordan River, Jan? Well, um, it divided the wilderness where the Israelites had been wandering around for 40 years from the promised land. Mm -hmm. And God had to part the Jordan River before they could cross it. Mm -hmm. 
and in kind of a, you know, parting of the Red Sea part two. Right. So it it was um, a, an indication of God's deliverance of the Israelites. Yeah. And it was also an east-west barrier mm-hmm. uh, that flowed from just north of the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea in the south. So mm-hmm. water, of course, in that region was lifeblood um, to everybody, but it was also a signal of God's redemption to his people. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's not an accident that that's where he was baptizing people. Right. So, because it is a very important location. Um, when Jesus showed up to be baptized by John in that same Jordan River, God the Father split open the sky and his Holy Spirit descended into Jesus. And to me, I think it's a perfect location to remind everyone that God keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. Reminded them when they were experiencing it. It reminds us when we look back on it. It's very symbolic. Very symbolic. All right, so let's look now at John's following, which at the time was much larger than Jesus's because remember, Jesus hasn't actually started his ministry yet. Mm -hmm. And it was remarkable to me to learn that some people estimate that he could have baptized during his ministry literally hundreds of thousands of people. Wow. I was picturing, you know, hundreds of people. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe a thousand. Yeah. But this is what this is what I read. So if you believe everything you read. Anyway, <laughs> it was a significant amount. Now, because of that, it would have been very easy to him, for him to become proud, a little full of himself, um, mm-hmm. maybe even felt a little bit competitive about these are my people following me. Um, except that that's not how John was. He was not focused on himself ever. It was mm-hmm. that relentless message that he was there. I am telling you who is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, it always and only and completely pointed to Jesus. He was not there to build up his own name or his own reputation. John preached to point people to Jesus, period. He was asked if he was Elijah. He said no. He was asked if he was the Messiah. He said no. In fact, he referred to himself only as a voice crying out in the wilderness. Which was that prophecy. That's right. Out of Isaiah. It was fulfilling the prophecy and also served humility on his part. Right. Um, John's testimony, his ministry, it never pointed to himself. It was the opposite. It was a testimony and a ministry that always pointed people away from him toward Jesus. In fact, his constant refrain to others was, he, meaning Jesus, must become greater. I must become lesser. Mm. John knew that Jesus had come from God above and that he himself was just from the earth and that Jesus was above everyone and everything. So notice that he says, the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. That's a very specific reference. A student of a rabbi would untie his rabbi's sandals. But John says, I'm not even worthy, worthy of that. I'm not mm. even worthy to call myself a student of his. I am just all pointing to him. So I want to point out that once John met and baptized Jesus, He didn't just walk away saying, my work here is done. It was quite the opposite. He continued to preach and he never backed away from the message he had been 
sent to deliver. And if you follow this story further along, then I'm going to follow it today. Um, it ultimately cost him his life in a very grisly way, mm -hmm. but he just would not back down from what he was saying. He was so filled with the Spirit that that was his one and mm -hmm. only motivation. He was speaking a word from the Lord. Absolutely, he yeah. was. So let's talk a minute about the actual baptizing. John baptized with water, and Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John told his followers that when Jesus came, he would do a spiritual work in their hearts. So John was using a physical element. He was using water to baptize their bodies. It was symbolic. We, we've learned before about symbols. But Jesus would take a spiritual element, which was the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. to baptize their souls. John was taking them and placing them underwater in an act that pointed to them being washed of their sins. Jesus would take them and he would wash away their sins with his blood. And that would give them new life. Mm. It's, it's a beautiful comparison and it's also an important distinction. What John is saying in, his, in this contrast is what he's been saying all along. I am nothing compared to Jesus. What I do and what he does are two radically different things. And I don't even, I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. He was absolutely before me. He ranks infinitely above me. I'm just the voice. He's the actual message. Mm. You know, I am the temporary pointer. He's the eternal person. I am a mere man. He is God as man. I love that image. I am the voice. He is the message. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of our lesson a while back when you defined the difference between sign and symbol. Mm -hmm. John served as a sign. Mm -hmm. He was always pointing to Jesus and how humble he must have been in spite of that fiery nature we know he had to be willing to disappear so Christ could appear. Yeah. Okay, so now you know I'm going to ask my favorite question. Why is this important <laughs> for us to know? Well, John the Baptist was known as a wild one, but it wasn't his appearance that made him wild. It was his internal defiance against a worldly system of complacency and apathy and half-heartedness. Half His identity was shaped in secret. We talked about that before, and mm -hmm. it was revealed in public. He was that bridge that connected the Old Testament promises and prophecy to their fulfillment in the arrival of the Messiah in the New Testament. And it was all done because of John's obedience to the Holy Spirit and the resulting power that he gained from that obedience through the Holy Spirit. Mm. So, you know, we've said a couple of times now that John was the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that made me start thinking about bridges. So what was my first step, Jan? Of course, you looked for a definition. Of course I did. <laughs> we all think we know what bridges are. So here's what I found. A bridge is a structure built to span a physical obstacle without blocking the way underneath. It is constructed for the purpose of providing passage over an obstacle, which is usually something that is otherwise difficult or impossible to cross. So basically, a bridge enables us to get from point A to point B when there's an obstacle in our way. So let's say that point A is our life here on earth. And point B 
is our eternal life. How do we find eternal life? The only way is by following Jesus. And how do we follow Jesus? By listening to the Holy Spirit who points to Jesus. Mm. The Holy Spirit is our bridge to Jesus. So if we go a little bit further with this analogy, what's the obstacle? Well, I think the obstacle is anything that causes us to stop listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And in my life, there are plenty of those obstacles, the very first one being myself. Have you ever heard that saying, she can't seem to get out of her own way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I often feel. Um, the good news for me in that is that I've finally learned to recognize when I'm having that feeling mm. that it's really the call of the Holy Spirit. It's his reminder to say, pay attention. What are you doing? How, how, what is, how is what you're doing disconnected you in your relationship with Jesus? Mm. It's my reminder to refocus and reprioritize. You know, it's a time to look at what is getting most of my attention. Um, I think we can look at our calendars. And, you know, some people also say, look at your wallet, and that will tell you where your priorities are. Or your credit card. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, I've been given gifts and talents and strengths that are mine to use. And so I have to ask myself, how am I using this? You know, this life we have and this world we live in are gifts from God to be treasured and enjoyed. You know, he wants us to stand on that bridge and look at the beautiful view all around us. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't want us to get so distracted by that view of this world that it becomes our focus. Right. You know, our focus is our relationship with Jesus and who we come because of that relationship. John the Baptist was formed for years in a secret place in the desert so that when he did come out of the wilderness, he was ready to be who he had been created to be. And more than ever, we are people who are produced and crafted in the public arena more than in a secret place. And that's backwards. Mm. And I hope we can find his life message as convicting instead of, you know, conforming to this world. I hope we can focus on that bridge that points us to Jesus Christ. So do you have a question that's going to help us do that, Liv? Yeah, I think so. Um, as I said, the Holy Spirit is our bridge to Jesus, and that's absolutely true. But we also have earthly bridges that lead us to Jesus. And I just want people to spend a little bit of time and think about who in your life has been a bridge helping connect you to Jesus. Mm. And the second part of that question is, pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit and see if you are being called to be a bridge in someone else's life. I love that image of the bridge, providing a way and access to Jesus. I can think of several people in my life that either have pointed me to Christ or continue to point me to Christ. But I was also struck by the comparison in two of your comments. Mm -hmm. One of the comments was John the Baptist's identity was shaped in secret mm -hmm. and revealed in public, mm -hmm. and that we are people who are produced and crafted in public more than we are in the secret place. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that saying, I can't remember now who said it, is that you will eventually be in public who you are in private. Right. 
So I want us to ponder that in the coming days. Like, where is your secret place? Mm-hmm. And how much time do you spend there? Because I think it's critical. It is critical. Yeah. Okay, until next time. 